every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. We have a fun show prepared for you, getting into some exciting news from over the weekend, talking about our surprise standouts, and then, of course, getting into Kyle Krabs' one, mock draft 1.0 for the season, one of many to come on the draft network so kyle welcome to the show how are we doing today on this mock draft day yeah i'm sweating a little bit uh we're, we're recording this at about 9 9 15 p.m on sunday I'm putting the final touches on mock draft 1.0 and i know how mock draft drop days usually go right i mean there's there's going to be some people upset about various number of things ranging from the draft order to team picking somebody that fans don't think they need to address that position. And, uh, so I'm just kind of enjoying the calm before the storm here, Joe, as folks are listening to this and swing over to draftnetwork.com and check out my mock draft 1.0. Uh, I'm anticipating the wave kind of sweeping over me by lunchtime, and I'm going to be up to my neck in uh, uh, dissatisfied customers. But as long as you guys swing out and check it out, I mean, that, that's the win right there. Just get, get the conversation going. People getting mad about a mock draft in August. <laughs> it's going to happen, though. It's going to happen. And uh, I'll be enjoying kind of taking a back seat here and looking at to uh, deal with those mentions uh, throughout the course of your Monday. Kyle, let's get into some of this news. The Redskins are uh, on the hunt for some running back help after – Obviously, the crushing season-ending ACL injury to Darius Geis, the uh, the promising rookie from LSU, and uh, they're they're hosting a lot of guys here. So Orleans Darkwa is coming in for a visit, and then the two more splashy names, Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson, are also coming in for a visit. And certainly, Washington's trying to get uh, some bodies back there that can produce. And and you know, all three of those guys have had production, but. Uh, you know, you think about some of these, uh, you know, Charles and Peterson, they're not necessarily spring chickens anymore, uh, north of 30. And uh, but, uh, you know, look, they need they need some help. And I guess this is the best available help. And uh, wouldn't wouldn't a backfield tandem of Peterson and Charles just be kind of fun to see how that can do at this point in their career? No, I don't think it would be. <laughs> Listen, you, you ever see Jumanji? Yes, like the, I mean, not the, the new one, the, the one first, from like the, 1993 Yeah, or the something. real one with Robin Williams in it, not that nonsense that Dwayne The Rock Johnson put out recently. You remember when Robin Williams goes up to the police officer and he asks him, what year is it? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I do. Okay, I mean, that that's how I feel right now, hearing that Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson are coming in for free agent visits and a team that needs a starting running back is going to give either one of these guys some run. Mm, you can count me out on the 2018 Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson experiments. Look, I know you guys 
Got to get some fresh bodies in there. I know you guys need help at the running back position. That injury to Geis is a brutal one to absorb. But we're about to see some good players get cut in the build-up to the start of the regular season as teams cut from 90 to 53. You've got to find some guys that have more life in their legs left than those two guys. Uh, Peterson was a disaster last year. He had, what, one good game the entire year? So um, it's it's, – I think – look, if you want to bring him in and kick the tires, like, good for you. But if you actually make a move and bring either one of these guys in and expect them to be a starting back for you, I think you've got a rude awakening if you're Washington. Yeah, we will see what happens with that situation, Kyle. Kind of moving on with the rest of the news here. The Cincinnati Bengals made a very surprising cut on Sunday, releasing starting safety Georgia Loca, who has been a mainstay for them over the last five years. He started 76 of the last 82 games over the last five years, and I thought he was a really solid football player, not necessarily any expectation that he'd be cut. Uh, the indications are that this is a financial thing to save some money think that uh, he's due a little over $5 million in salary and roster bonuses this season. And so uh, he has been kicked to the curb. I think this probably also says a lot about Jesse Bates, uh, their draft pick this past year from Wake Forest and how he fits into this defense. But uh, Eloka, who I think is, is one of the, you know, at least a better half of the league safety, is on the market. And certainly he probably won't be for long, although the safety market has been extremely weird this offseason, but uh, I think he's a starting caliber player that somebody should scoop up very quickly here. Uh, so, gun to your head, who does he actually land with? Should, I mean, it should be the Panthers. I don't know if they're going to do that. They just lost Cersei. He was injured in the Miami game on Friday, but you know, you'd think that would be a pretty logical destination. And then uh, uh, maybe, maybe even um, Tennessee. They didn't. They they lost Cyprian there. Yeah. So could be a possibility there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carolina for me is the one that's just like, it's a no-brainer, right? Like they need experience on the back end. They, they got Mike Adams, right? <laughs> yeah, he's so old. But <laughs> but after that, I mean, and, and even if George, you know, has lost a step, which, you know, folks that I follow that are pretty pretty avid followers of the Bengals seem to make it sound like he's he's lost a step, even athletically if he's lost a step, the experience that he could bring on the back end, uh, I, I think would still have value uh, for a team like Carolina that's just so young on the in, the in the safety room. I think it would be a wise decision for sure, Joe. Kyle, one more defensive back here to touch on is Orlando Skandrick. He was a, a free agent cornerback, obviously the last nine seasons in Dallas where he was part of that team. He was, you know, started a lot of games and filled a lot of uh, sub-packaged roles when he wasn't starting. And so he's been available. And I thought he found a really good destination here. Uh, inking a one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this is a team that, when I looked at the Chiefs, I was nervous about their secondary, right? They Obviously, Marcus Peters is a big loss. But, um, you know, I didn't necessarily – not necessarily in love with a lot of their boundary options. You know, Steven Nelson, uh, David Amerson's in the fray. Uh, Fuller, I like him more as a versatile guy playing some nickel-type stuff. And so Skandrick is, is a know-how veteran, and uh, – Certainly, if nothing else, improves the depth and gives them some situational options with the rest of the guys they have there in the secondary. 
Yeah, Joe, uh, I did have one news piece that I thought was was worthwhile, and that's Junior Gallette has uh, scheduled a visit with the L.A. Rams, which if Gallette ends up signing with the Rams would instantaneously be their A, most accomplished, and B, uh, probably best rush linebacker option on the entire roster. So would be an interesting move. Uh, Gallette able to bounce back from uh, the injuries that he's kind of had to battle through the last couple of years and got a chance to get back on the field again last year and now on the open market and, and looking for work as we near the start of the season. Uh, would be a nice marriage because uh, the Rams really don't have a lot of cash to throw around. They don't want any long-term investments because they still got to figure out how the hell they're going to sign Aaron Donald after you know handing out extensions to almost every other young piece on the roster. So um, a holdover piece like Junior Gallette for the Rams would be a really nice one-year marriage and kind of buy them time to you know, readdress in free agency next year or possibly get a young player in the draft. Yeah, it would be the, the right type of player to bring in at this point and see what you can get. I think that would be a good move for them. Kyle, it's time for our Monday segment of Surprise Standouts. And uh, I'm, I'm going to take honors here. Uh, I, I got a chance. I'm, I'm starting to watch the rest of the nation here. I spent, obviously, the summer getting everything uh, very in-depth uh, for the ACC for the Draft Network. But I'm starting to branch out. I spent a lot of the last week or so digging into some other prospects, and I came across DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, a wide receiver. And my goodness, what a special football player. I mean, we talk about uh, this receiver class, and maybe, you know, Kelvin Harmon comes to mind, and then Keel Harry, and Amon Richards, and yada, yada, yada. But this dude, this dude has top 10 traits 6'3, 225. Uh, He's explosive. He's fast, not just for his size, but he is fast. He has a vertical above the rim game. And, uh, you know, he doesn't run a whole lot of routes, different routes there so far at Ole Miss. But he is super nuanced in his in his release with his handwork, with his footwork, to beat press, to attack leverage, to win with physicality. And he's got the juice to separate. Like, I, I think this guy has, like, you know, I'm not going to get crazy here, but, like, you talk about physically gifted talents like Julio Jones, like A.J. Green. Those types of guys, top of the first round type of traits, like that's what you get for DK Metcalf. Now his production was good last year, uh, average 16 and a half catch, uh, yards per catch. I think 39 catches for just over 600 yards, seven touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a, obviously has A.J. Brown on the other side. But, man, this guy, this guy is a special, special football player. And I'm very anxious to see him explode onto the scene this year for the uh, Ole Miss Rebels. Yeah, terrific football player. You don't have to look too far down the list in Mock Draft (laughs) 1.0 to find DK Metcalf's name. Joe, you said top 10 traits. I'll do you one better. I have him going in the top five. Just a really, really athletically gifted football player. Uh, Joe, one player who's not incredibly athletically gifted but is a surprise standout for me, is Oakland Raiders undrafted free agent running back Chris Warren III. Uh, Warren is just short of 200 rushing yards in two preseason games. He had 110 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries against the Rams' second-team defense. Um, Warren, who's 6'2", 247, left Texas a year early as a junior because he was 
was having a hard time getting carries. And, you know, the pre-draft narrative was talking about transition at tight end. And uh, as it turns out, this dude can put a wallop on people coming out of the backfield. This is the guy that went viral like two weeks ago because he absolutely flat back Jared Davis at a crossover practice with the Lions, like straight up embarrassed him. Um, but Warren really impressed with uh, his ability to get momentum going into the line of scrimmage before then transitioning into a make you miss type mentality. So, uh, first and foremost, I think Warren has found a perfect scheme fit for himself and his strengths and weaknesses as a player going to the smash mouth style offense that you're going to find with coach Gruden here in, in Oakland and, you know, starting next year in Las Vegas. Um, that was pretty prominent when you watched his tape, he was immensely better when he was able to get through the first line of defenders without having to worry about making a cut. And you saw this Oakland offensive line, even the second string guys were just blowing people off the ball. So they deserve a lot of credit here for Warren's performance thus far. But uh, Warren's going to make this football team, I think. Uh, He's in a, a competition with several unspectacular names. Uh, James Butler from Iowa being one. Um, Butler hasn't even really got a lot of play yet. Jalen Richard uh, had eight fumbles last year in his second year in the NFL as an undrafted free agent himself coming out of Southern Miss a couple years ago. Uh, Ryan Switzer's now there to take return duty. So Richard, you know, he doesn't even have the special teams impact anymore. Uh, Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch are the top two names on the death chart. So like you need some, some youth, some fresh legs. And Chris Warren looks like he might be that player for the Oakland Raiders as a guy that you know, wasn't even a priority undrafted free agent. You know, the first wave of signings went, came and went, and Warren was still on the street before he ultimately got a chance to try out and uh, signed with the Raiders coming into camp. But, Joe, he's looked really, really good in both of his showings thus far in the preseason. Yeah, good opportunity to make that team like you mentioned there with Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch, you know, kind of – being the guys in front of him on the depth chart. And so he has a really nice opportunity. Kyle, I have one more surprise standout before we start getting into your mock draft. And this one's a weird one because I dogged this guy very hardly in the pre-draft process. I'm talking about Chad Kelly, quarterback, Denver Broncos. Um, and he's looked good in the preseason. Swag. It's, it, look, it's, it's undeniable at this point. Like he was good against the Vikings. And he was good against the Bears uh, on uh, on Saturday. I think it was Saturday, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's time to, to mention him as a guy that's really showing out for himself. So far this preseason, 21 of 30, that's a 70% completion percentage, 267 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. He's made a couple plays with his feet as well. He's got 37 uh, rushing yards and four carries. And uh, look, I mean, maybe it's because Paxton Lynch is the other quarterback outside of Case Keenum on this roster, and Paxton just looks so terrible. Uh, but Chad Kelly is uh, is probably earning this number two job for sure behind Keenum and uh, giving them something to be excited about on this offense in terms of a young quarterback after that failed pick of, of Paxton Lynch. So I know Keenum's a guy, uh, and I'm not going to get crazy about Kelly and saying that uh, you know he's going to make a run at the starting gig or that you know this Keenum thing's going to be short lived and he's the future. But you got to hand it to the kid. He's played really well this preseason, and uh, he's he's going to dress on Sundays and be the Broncos' number two uh, if things continue on this trajectory. 
I um I was really impressed. Uh, Chad kind of stepping in with the same personnel groups that Paxton was just totally <laughs> lost with and uh, not being lost and actually you know in, in kind of igniting the offense. You know, the, the Minnesota game, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of the Denver game or the um, this most recent game that they had, but I did watch uh, the Minnesota game. And um, I know it was second and third stringers, but still, like, I mean, he's he's – Got a little life to him. He's he, he's got that wild stallion to him, fittingly for a Bronco, right? So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any question he's QB two on this depth chart. And Joe, as you said, I'm not going to go crazy here and, and pine for the guy to start, but if he does get a chance to start, I'm going to be watching really closely because uh, that that could be really really fascinating to see how it would play out, uh, considering his his bloodlines and. Uh, the, the talent level that he did have and uh, the maturity issues and, and, you know, is he able to develop beyond that and kind of put all that behind him and, and you know, be a professional quarterback and uh, so far so good. He stayed out of trouble. So, you know, maybe this is a new swag Kelly. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so, so many knocks against him coming out. I mean, from the accuracy issues yeah. to the off the field, like multiple off the fields dating back to high school, a couple of ACL tears. And uh, good for him. Good for him so far, so good. Kyle, you ready for this mock draft? You ready to talk about it? Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and get it out in the open, and you know we'll, we'll be done with it. And then this time next week, it'll be my turn to grill you. Yes, yeah. So I'll uh, I'll learn from this week of, of observing your your feedback, and it won't matter. I'm going to put together whatever I'm going to put together for next Monday. But today is your day, Kyle. Let's get into this. I want to talk about. Some of the picks that stood out to me for whatever reason on this thing, but we're not going to give the whole thing away. You got to go to the draftnetwork.com and read this thing for yourself. A good opportunity to get familiar with some of the top prospects in the draft, also some of the potential team needs as well. So, Kyle, I want to start at pick number four here. You got the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock. Again, Super Bowl odds is where, why they're picking there. Kyle doesn't hate the Bengals. And if you've listened to this podcast, I am a Bengals truther this year. Uh, but in this scenario, uh, the Bengals are not doing well. They're picking in the top five. And you have them selecting Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. Is it finally time for the uh, the Bengals to move on from Andy Dalton with this pick? Yeah, I think so. Especially if this season ends up playing out in a point in which they would be selecting in the top five. Uh, Andy's uh, going to be 31 or 32 uh, in the middle of next season, uh, the 2019 season. And the Bengals have entered a portion of his contract where cutting him would incur zero dead cap penalties. Uh, you kind of know who Andy Dalton is right now. And the team has regressed over the last three years. Uh, I think the team was 10-3-1 three years ago. Two years ago, they were seven and nine. And then this year they were like six and nine in Dalton starts or something along those lines. So they've, they've had nine losses in each of the last two years with Dalton. This is the starting quarterback. And, um, how should I say it? Like Dalton's is who he is. It's time to go out and get a new quarterback. And Herbert is the one that I can see the NFL is totally going to love. Scouts were raving about him last year when I was out in Tempe to watch Oregon play Arizona State, and that was last year when he was a 
true sophomore and not eligible for the draft. They were already talking about him then. He's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. Uh, there's some system questions there. There's some ability to handle pressure questions. But uh, those traits that teams love aren't going to go away. And for that reason, Herbert's the guy I would project to go off the board first. Yeah, QB, QB1, according to this mock draft. Kyle, I want to shift down a little little ways down the draft order here to number nine, the Indianapolis Colts, a team that, look, if Andrew Lux is right, then they are uh, got a chance to win every single Sunday. But we haven't seen him throw a football in a regular season game in a very long time. So let's hope everything continues on the right pace there. They added a big piece of Quentin Nelson, in my opinion, in this past draft uh, as a, a player that I think is just going to be a pillar of that franchise for years to come. In this mock draft, they're picking nine, and they're picking Raekwon Davis, defensive lineman from Alabama. And I, I'm very intrigued by Davis and interested in how you see him potentially fitting this Colts defense and, and why this, you know, all the needs that the Colts have. Why Davis? Yeah, I think Davis stands out as uh, a best player available type of fit in something that's also a position of need. Uh, Joe, the, the interior defensive line for the Annapolis Colts is Danico Autry, Al Woods, Grover Stewart, uh, Tyquan Lewis, who the team drafted as a 269-pound defensive end from Ohio State, and he's the backup three technique, like right now. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway and Rakeem Nunez Roches. I mean, that that's the defensive tackle room for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, it's not great. There's, there's not a lot to work with there. Uh, this team just needs talent. They seem like they were uh, pretty dead set on bringing in some linebackers, pretty dead set on bringing in some defensive ends. Uh, last year's draft, this team brought in corners. Uh, they brought in Malik Hooker. So they've made some effort in the past three years, but the one area they have not addressed is the defensive interior. Uh, some of the other options along the defensive line, like uh, Simmons, Ed Oliver, Cleveland Farrell, Nick Bosa, those guys are off the board. So Raquan Davis, you know, even though he's the fifth defensive lineman to come off the board with the ninth pick, uh, he's really, really good. Uh, a very pliable athlete for his size and, and somebody that I think would provide the Colts immediately from day one with their best starter up front. Kyle, I want to slide down a couple picks here to the Seattle Seahawks at number 11. You have them selecting Rashawn Gary, the defensive lineman from Michigan. He's a very popular player, right? The number one recruit coming out of high school. He's finally draft eligible. He had a really good season last year. Uh, tell us about Gary and, and why uh, why Seattle here at number 11. Yeah, this just feels like this is their kind of player. Right. I mean, you think about some of the guys Seattle has had along the defensive line over the last couple of years. Uh, Rasheem Green last year out of USC, they took him in the third round. Uh, Green was kind of a tweener in between, like played predominantly on the inside, but didn't really show an anchor for it and um, had some of that penetration ability. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, a defensive tackle from the uh, Maryland Terrapins, was another guy that was a penetration guy kind of in between Maryland played him on the end from, from time to time. Uh, but this team drafted Malik McDowell, who was again, a versatile defensive lineman with their first draft pick in 2017. Uh, Michael Bennett has that kind of, you know, he's known for being an inside outside type defensive end uh, five year run with the team. He had 39 sacks and three consecutive pro bowls with the team. 
So these these athletic kind of hybrid defensive linemen that can play inside and out, they found success with Seattle, and Seattle's been a team that's gone after those guys. And as this team looks to kind of rebuild their identity, uh, what made them successful was the secondary, obviously the Legion of Boom, and the depth and versatility of their pass rushers. Uh, with the, with the speed that they had with Bruce Irvin when he was here and, and Michael Bennett and so I think it would be a good move even though they do have Rasheem Green uh, as a third round pick as a fairly early draft investment. Don't let that stop you from taking another hybrid guy like Gary who can play base and he can play inside. I think he's he, I think I actually think he projects better on the inside as far as a three technique with some of his first step quickness. You know, and this team already has guys on the inside like uh, Nas Jones, who's a pretty athletic interior guy as well. So I just think this would be kind of like a cherry on top for Seattle as they look to rebuild the identity and brand of their defense. Yeah, I like that. That'd be uh, we could say what we want about Rashad Penny last year, but it it is kind of getting back to their roots of what that made them such a great team for so long is having that bell cow back whether or not you like Penny or not, but it is in that line of thinking, okay, we need our Marshawn Lynch. And then to your point here, getting a player to kind of restore that versatility up front with their pass rush, and they get that in Gary. So I like your like your thought process there, Kyle. Uh, let's get into number 17, the Oakland Raiders. Picking Rodney Anderson, running back from Oklahoma. Um, I spent some time watching his film in the last few days, so I'm, I'm very high on Rodney Anderson, one of two first-round running backs you have in this mock draft. Tell us about Anderson and why the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, we've we've kind of outlined with Chris Warren and his opportunity to make this football team, uh, Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch being the two lead backs here. It's funny because the Raiders, you know, they, they didn't have a great year last year offensively, but from a personnel perspective, they've got a lot of pieces offensively that are kind of set. You know, the offensive line uh, they just took a left tackle. They've got all those ass kickers up front on the interior. Uh, one of the most physical interior offensive lines in the entire league. Uh, they have their franchise quarterback who's locked down on a long-term deal. They have some wide receivers. They brought in Jordy Nelson. They have Amari Cooper. Uh, they've just got age at running back. And if, if John Gruden really wants to kind of smash mouth football, which is what this team should be, then Rodney Anderson makes a ton of sense because he's 6'2", 218. He can win with speed. He can win with power. Uh, this is a team that, from an offensive personnel perspective, is in a position to make a luxury pick at a luxury position like this because they they just need that last piece and they need somebody that can be the featured player. So I know I just talked about Chris Warren making this team, but Chris Warren's not going to be the guy you're going to hitch your wagon to and ask him to be the face of your rushing offense. So Anderson, who is a top-tier talent at the running back position, married with the scheme and system that Oakland's going to be playing, married with the rest of their offensive personnel, I thought this was uh, just kind of a perfect storm of conditions for a pick like this to actually be projected. Yeah, the first game I watched of Anderson was the West Virginia game. And uh, early in the game, he he hit one up the middle, and then he was kind of isolated with the safety in the middle of the field. And the way that he just – he set him up so beautifully with the hard inside step, just got him off balance and then just crossed his face and just drug some guys with him five yards. I was like, okay, I'm in, and just kept enjoying his tape. So I like Rodney Anderson a ton. 
Kyle, one more pick I want to get into with you here, and that's pick number 20, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think there's a pretty obvious need at the tight end position, and so you slotted them Noah Fant. And, uh, you know, I think this is one of those that I looked at this mock draft and I and I thought, wow, if Fant gets to 20, like, I know it's August, but that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, and um, when I described the pick, I kind of talked about how Dallas – uh, Witten kind of felt like he might retire for like five years now and he never did. <laughs> and I'm kind of curious if like Dallas was just like, oh, like Jason's never going to retire because when he actually did retire, like the tight end group before the draft was Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, and Rico Gathers. Like it's not great. There's not a lot of upside to this group. Uh, they did go out and draft Dalton Schultz in the fourth round this year and I like Dalton as a blocking tight end a whole lot, but he doesn't have the receiving upside. And um Noah Fent would be a different type of pass catcher than Jason Winton was, where Jason Winton was kind of move the chains. But Noah Fent would really open up this offense and kind of mitigate some of the issues that they have with their wide receiver group in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Fant as the seam threat, the guy that can get vertical, the guy that's the size threat in the red zone, and he really shines in both of those areas. Uh, that's going to occupy a lot of time and eyeballs in the middle of the field. So a guy like Michael Gallup running routes on the outside, who's a pretty accomplished route runner and fairly polished at it, suddenly, you know, he's much more effective because he's working one-on-ones. So I look at what Noah Fant could be, I think about how he could impact the personnel that's already here in the building. And I think about Dallas needing a a receiving threat at the tight end position and just upgrading their pass catchers in general. I thought this was a really, really nice slot for a guy like Noah Fant, who we're hoping we get to see an, an offensive explosion from him, Joe, because you and I talked just the other day about how many more opportunities there were in this in this offense for Noah fan to just have monster production, but it, it never quite came together. And the guy still had 11 of his 30 catches go for touchdowns last year. It was really cute trying to, or, or watching uh, these big 10 safeties try to run with uh, Fant down the middle of the field. I'm like, Oh, he gets three steps on him over and over again. And then Nate Stanley overthrows him by two yards. Uh, even in some of those uh, opportunities where he got to work into the flats and just kind of leak into space, like, Stanley just was everywhere with that throw. Like, so uh, his production is still good. When you think about tight ends in college football, their numbers are just not normally that good. And his numbers were still really good. But if Stanley can get that ball placement down and and, man, Fant could just totally dominate the big 10 this year. Well, Joe, thanks for not asking too many hard hitting questions here on this mock 1.0 kind of overview show. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning into the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, this is going to be a wrap for us on today's show. Uh, make sure you swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. Check out uh, my mock draft 1.0, which dropped today. Uh, we have a lot of other great content on the site as well. I have my weekly column of studs and duds. Uh, Joe, you have two things dropping today. Is that correct? Yes, Clemson team preview and ACC edge defender rankings. Yeah, and there's uh, there's some good ones in that group. Yes, very you good. Know, on the, there's 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 some position groups that we got to scrap to get five. Joe, I don't think you had to fight too hard no, to get five names no. on this list, did very you? Very good list. Very good list. Yeah. Make sure you guys swing over and check it out. Draftnetwork.com, thedraftnetwork.com. Either one will take you there. 
So uh, pick your poison. Depends on how uh, active your fingers are feeling on this Monday morning. Uh, if you want to get after us on Twitter and, and keep those fingers working out, you can reach Joe. He's at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding the Tape. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino signing off. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.